0: We are in a study of the book of Hebrews, and we've actually made it all the way to Hebrews chapter 13. So if you've got your Bibles uh, or you've got the Bible app on your phone, that would be great. Would really encourage you to turn there with us. I want to just remind you that what we've been looking at, because when you get to Hebrews 13, the one thing that you figure out is that there's there's a significant shift right now. So, the book has had these big themes that have run through uh, big pieces of narrative and stories that he's told. Uh, he's, he's gone back to the Old Testament and pulled pieces out there. I mean, the heart of the book has been the superiority of Christ, So Jesus is far superior you start in chapter one he's a far superior revelation of god than even the old testament because jesus is the exact representation of his nature he he is the exact image of god in that we can see in human flesh he's he's better than moses he's a better high priest as a better high priest he serves a better covenant it's the new covenant in a better tabernacle not the tabernacle here on earth but the tabernacle in heaven he's got a better sacrifice it's his own blood by which he has bought our eternal redemption and from then he rolls into this and and so it is incumbent upon us to not turn back from christ but to persevere to push on to walk by faith so you get to chapter 11 and this whole hall of faith chapter these men and women of God who walk by faith and we're called to walk by faith why well chapter 12 is because of our hope we have a kingdom that will not be shaken we live for that day and now you get to chapter 13 and it just it it changes it changes in that these big long passages these these stories these these big pictures now come into very practical i would almost use the word for those of you that um uh are into music almost a staccato or just real simple real practical this is how you live it out so for instance you see verse one let love of the brethren continue Verse 2, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember the prisoners, as though in prison with them, and those who are ill-treated, since you yourselves also are in the body. Marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled. By the way, uh, we're going to preach on that next week, so just kind of that pg-13 you know we'll keep it we understand we have middle school students in here but that's what we're going to talk about next week is, is chapter four or verse four he, he comes then back into chapter or verse five make sure that your character is free from the love of money so just these again almost the staccato with this is how you live it out so in the context of the book here's what you have is you have these big Pieces that show us the superiority of Christ. Lean into Jesus. Keep focused on Jesus. And now, this very practical aspect of how do you live it out? But it even goes deeper than that. I don't know if you've picked up, but chapter 11 is all about faith, right? Our faith in God, living by faith. What does that bring? Well, in chapter 12, it's all about our hope. It's about our future. It's about this kingdom that cannot be shaken. So you have faith in the lord which leads to hope of our eternal destiny which leads to love how do we play this out but love is for others see that's the progression so that's what we're going to look at today so again let's read these first three verses together let love of the brethren continue do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Number three, remember the prisoners as though in prison with them, and those who are ill-treated, since you yourselves also are in the body. So number one, as we live this out, as we walk by faith, which leads us to our hope that that of that day when we receive that kingdom that cannot be shaken that inheritance he's talked about all the way through the book of hebrews now what's incumbent upon us is to live this out as we love first of all others now in the greek it's just love of the brethren it's just one word it's the word philadelphia which, by the way, don't go there. A lot of crime there now. They're not loving each other well. But the word in the Greek is actually made up of two. Philos, which is this idea of kindly disposed to, towards. It, it's, it's this idea of, of positive emotional energy going towards it. And then Adelphio, which is brother. So it's just simply love brother. And that's what we're called to do. Now think about it again. After this incredible climax of everything and at the heart, at the end of chapter 12, of we have this kingdom that cannot be shaken, so let us, let us persevere, let us run well, let us live with grace, the first thing he comes to is let brotherly love continue. This is important. Because in Jesus... We have this, this family, this community that is made up of other believers. Now for many of us, one of the strongest communities that we have is the community of family. Right, we're born into it. We marry into it. If you don't haven't had this experience, I'm sorry because it, it is good. It's it's precious. So you, you don't a lot of times get to pick them. Right, you're just kind of born into them. But there they become this community with which you do life, and it's the community that you go through the good things. I mean, all the celebrations. You think of of uh, birthdays, graduations, weddings. All of these these ceremonies, and you go, and you're there. And, but it's also the ones that you go through all the hard stuff with, the funerals, the surgeries. the I mean, I've shared with you many times that well, when my wife passed away and I've got this little three-day-old boy, it was my mother and my sister, Lori, who both moved back to Ohio to be with me. I have no idea how I would have gotten through those months without them. I don't know how to take care of this little baby. And so they came and basically did it for me. That's family. And if you've not had that experience in family, I'm, I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's good and it's rich and it's great. But what we're reminded of, and what he reminds us of, is that in Jesus, you have been born into a spiritual family. You have been born again into this family of of brothers and sisters in Christ. And though we may not share, in essence, the same human DNA, we share the same spiritual DNA. And it is in this community where where we find that help and that encouragement. Because again, you you think about why this is important. That we are to love each other. Because this is hard. We got to run the race with endurance. It's difficult. There's the ups, the downs. We, We need people who will speak into our lives those words of hope and encouragement and help. Remember when Jesus gathers his disciples in the upper room. I mean, this is their last time together before he goes to the cross. And he washes their feet. And then he tells them this. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. It's almost like, guys... I've been with you for three years, but I'm going away. What I need you all to understand is that you now have to be my hands and feet to each other. Can I remind you that the new commandment there is not that you love one another. That was actually in the law. The new part of the command is that you love one another even as I have loved you. That's what lifted the bar. And that we were to be his hands and feet. And this is something that the author of Hebrews has already written to them about and encouraged them. You go back to chapter 10 in that warning passage. He, he comes out and says, so we have got to consider how to stimulate one another to love and to good deeds. We, we need each other. We need this community of brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because it, it gets difficult at times. And in the midst of the difficulties, one of the easy things to do is to drop our eyes from Jesus. And we need brothers and sisters to help raise it back to where it needs to be. We get in those points where we get discouraged, where we maybe start to fall away. We start to listen to the lies. And they're there to speak truth into our hearts. We need them. In fact, he goes on there in chapter 10 and says, Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see that day drawing near. Folks, this life is hard. And to stand firm and to persevere is difficult. And we all need this. So so for me, this was really interesting working on this passage this week because in a moment of of trying to be... uh, really transparent this has been an incredibly difficult and heavy week for me uh, the back story is many of you know that uh, I give some leadership to our our association of churches we have 75 churches here in the state and uh, and I've served as the kind of that executive director as I tell people this is what I do. I love pastoring, right? But I don't golf, and I don't fish, and I don't hunt. So my hobby is, is I work with our association, and I give some leadership. And for the last few years, we've been trying to process going forward. We really believe God's called us to plant churches, and how do we do that? And one of the things that uh, we as a church have been able to help lead our our association in is we went 10 years I think 2006 to 2016 and none of our churches in our association planted a church do you know that from 2006 to today we've planted seven churches in association that's really cool and I'm excited about it. yeah you can clap for that and, and so but with that, there's strategically, ministry-wise, some decisions that we've been wrestling with as a board. And uh, I, it's honestly, stuff I've been praying about and thinking about for five, six years and this last year as our board wrestled with it and have come to a point of of direction. the The problem is, is that in making those decisions, it affects people, right? It affects ministries, it affects things that people have given a lot of time and energy and care a lot about, but we're going to go in a different direction. And so this is the week that I had all of these meetings planned up. In fact, for some, it's even about job stuff, right? And years ago, I, I seriously thought about changing my business card from senior minister to minister of hard conversations, and this has been a week for me, and I've had multiple conversations this week that hard for some because it's change, right? Nobody likes change except wet babies. And for some, it's going to affect their employment. For others, it's it's long term stuff. It's hard. And so I knew going into this, so I've got, you know, brothers and sisters around me that I've been asking and telling them, man, I need prayer. I, I, I just need you to kind of stand with me in the midst of this. And so for me, this week has been so heavy, but the, the encouraging part is the texts, the calls, the emails are saying, man, Steve, I'm praying for you. how's it going man we're and you know i often hear people say well i felt the prayers and i'm thinking yeah you just had bad pizza right but i can tell you this week i had no pizza i felt the prayers right because we need each other that's a part of of why god put us into this community of family and, and here's the thing, strong family bonds, they take time, they take energy, they take it in the literal sense of family, right? You start as a little baby, you grow up, you get these shared experiences, but certainly within the church it does. It's not easy. So our daughter and son-in-law moved from where they lived in North Carolina, to Richmond, Virginia in December. Was It December of last year, I think. So coming up on about a year. And of course, with the changing of jobs and everything else, they had to find a new church. And that, many of you know, that's not always that easy. And so they finally found one where they really felt at home and and, uh, were in alignment with the mission and the doctrine. And and, and now it's trying to find that community. And, And it's been hard for them. And Tammy and I just, you know, always just encourage, just, just keep doing it because it, it, it's, it is difficult. Why? Because it doesn't, you know, for sometimes people come and they just think, I'm going to find my community in this row of chairs right somebody's gonna and and sometimes that happens like on Saturday night service we got some people that just met and they started going out to dinner and then they met and they get so we got this whole group that goes out to dinner every Saturday night after service they found community in the chairs who knew right they still have invited me to dinner but that's okay (laughs) so the point is you you may That may happen to you, but that's probably going to be the exception and not the rule. What the rule typically is, is that you have to get in and you have to be engaged and you've got to find a a smaller group. You've got to find a connect group. You've got to find a Bible study. You've got to find a men's group, a women's group where you're going to find this. And then even then sometimes it's just not a good fit. So like my daughter and son-in-law went to a small group and it just just wasn't a good fit and of course they're going well we don't want to make them feel bad but my point is but this is all about community try another one right this is because here's the thing too and this really helped me i years ago somebody somebody shared this illustration with me i thought it was so good you know what those little lego box that all they all interlock right they got the little uh the, the little pillars on the one side and the little receptors on the other and and somebody used this as an illustration and said, you know, we're all kind of like that. And how we get connected are by, by those little receptors and those little pillars. But sometimes we're in a place of life where that's all full. And so you go into a group where those are all full, it's just really hard to get connected. But if you'll keep looking and maybe try another, what you might find are some that, man, they're open and they're, they're, they've actually got space and they're looking for, to get it filled. And it's so important because, and it, again, typically doesn't happen overnight. It, it takes ministering together and spending time together over shared experience. So, you know, sometimes you get born into family and sometimes you marry into family. And I can remember when Jamie brought Lydia home for the first time. And, we, of course, we thought she was cute as a button. And we thought, man, this is great. We really liked her because Jamie really liked her and then he decided to marry her and uh, and then we loved her because Jamie loved her but now we're ten years down the line we have a lot of shared experience we have four grandkids that wonderful young lady has given to us we, we have all of this time together please don't tell anybody she may be my favorite i mean <laughs> But it takes time, right? It takes energy. And that's what it takes within the community of Christ. And that's what he's saying. Let brotherly love continue. You've got to be intentional about this. This has got to be something that is, is important to us because we need each other. All of us, every single one of us, are going to have those moments when we get discouraged. Every single one of us are going to have those moments. When our head is going to drop and our eyes are going to fall from being focused on Jesus. And it is our brothers and sisters in Christ who are there, who lift our head, who point us back to Jesus, who keep speaking truth into our ear. And so, folk, this is important. So my question to you today, we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken, right? we got an incredible future. How he tells us we got to live it out first is in community with one another. So how are you doing in community with one another? You say, Steve, you don't understand. I tried and, you know, man, I got let down. I'm hurt. I'm sorry. But you can't let the enemy steal you from being obedient to God's word. You say, or hey, I went and I tried a group, and it just wasn't a good fit. Okay, man, I'm sorry. I, I wish every group was a great fit for whoever tries it. But have you tried another? Where are you connecting? This is what he. This is the heart. Listen, we have a kingdom. We're living for that day. We're living in that hope of that day. Let brotherly love continue. We got to be intentional about this. You say, well, but if I go try another group, maybe some could be. Listen. You you gotta let that go. You have got to continue to look and to find and to build community. Let brotherly love continue. The second thing he says there in verse two: Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. In the same way, where brotherly love is just one word, love to strangers is one word. Again, philos again the idea of disendearment towards this love. Uh, xenos or xenia which we know of course as strangers it's instead of fear of strangers it's love of strangers now the question is what does he have in mind here in the context what what would the author have in mind to to make sure that we love strangers we show hospitality to strangers well probably one of the things he has in mind is this idea of the christian traveler because during this time especially paul And Timothy and and Barnabas and all of these people as they traveled around, they were dependent upon the care and hospitality of people that they went and visited. They didn't have a lot of inns, and quite honestly, their Hampton Inn uh, was not so fancy. It typically were places where there was a lot of prostitution. They typically were around in the city where the uh, temples were so that again a lot of immorality going on there and so both for not wanting to be compromised or secondly hey you're saved out of that do you want to put yourself back in a place of temptation when you traveled, there was this network of uh, of christians who would take you in and yet that's not real convenient is it strangers foreigners but this is what he says you got to make sure that you continue to show hospitality towards neighbors loving the Christian traveler be in the hands and feet of Jesus to one another they don't want to be in a compromising place see your house as a tool see it as a resource that God has given you to bless and to help and, and then he uses this interesting story here. He says, for by this, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Hmm. So, of course, we know that he's probably referencing Old Testament, so your mind runs there. Well, think of Abraham, who has three stranger shows up and he feeds them and one of them says hey by the time we come back next year you're going to have a son right the son of promise the other two are heading to Sodom and Gomorrah where judgment's going to come and he pleads for the life of Lot Uh, you have the story of gideon who's threshing wheat down by the the wine press and a stranger shows up but he's got a message from the lord you have samson's parents who the angels show up didn't know who it was but there's this message god's going to give you a son it's going to be a ruler and so that's probably what he has in mind here Now, the question is, does that mean that you and I sometimes in our life, well, maybe there's an angel there that looks human and we're just going to minister to them? Could be. I think probably more the idea is in the idea of messenger. So that in all those Old Testament references, they had a message from God. And that for you and I in our life, whether they're an angel or they're human, I don't think is the issue as much as that sometimes when we show hospitality to strangers that they are going to be ones that God's going to use in our life with, with that special word, that special encouragement, maybe, maybe that piece of wisdom that we've been praying for that God will, will give to us through them. I've experienced that, just people along the way and, and you know and talking. And I've never met them before, but we're talking, but man, there's something there that God just uses in my heart. Or perhaps maybe we serve as that in somebody else's life. We come across a stranger and we're the hands and feet of Jesus to them. Maybe we're that messenger to them. And God loves you and God sent us here today to take care of you. And I'm no angel. My wife will attest to that. Uh, but I'm here to be a blessing to you. I think at a bigger, wider view, the application for us today is this, that we're to love those that are... Not just within the family of God, but those that are outside, the strangers. Because who's stranger to our sense of shared DNA, shared missions, shared worldview, than those that are outside of Christ? They're outside the family. See, this is the tension that churches always struggle with. And if you don't understand this, then it often leads to a church's demise, Yes, we are to love the brethren. Yes, that's like number one. We are to be focused on that. But if we don't understand that we're also here to love the stranger, the people that don't see the world the same way that we do, the people that aren't a part of this community, we lose sight of our mission. And instead of of being here together to equip one another, to encourage one another, to go out there and live on mission and to live Jesus, we become this little clique, this little club. And what's so terrible, because uh, this is what I do, right? We, we, I work with churches. The problem is is that no church sees themselves like that. I mean literally every church in America thinks it's the friendliest church in the world. because they are friendly to them. but you go in as a stranger, you go in as somebody who's new and it's like it's like ice. And I'd love to tell you, well, it would never happen here because we're the truly friendliest church, but I get that word sometimes too. Some people times they come and nobody says a word. Why? Because we get so focused on loving each other, but we forget the importance of showing hospitality to the stranger. But didn't Jesus, didn't Jesus always care for the stranger? I mean, yeah, he had the 12. He spent a boatload of time with them. They were probably his first priority in a sense. Ah, but when the tax collectors wanted to have lunch with him, Jesus had time. When Zacchaeus climbs up in the tree just to see Jesus, he's got time. We are to love those that are without The family. That's also got to be a part. You know, this is why we talk about our oikos, those people in our life that we don't know where they are spiritually. We talk about our one. How do we intentionally love and minister to those that are outside of the body of Christ? How How do we keep this balance of, yes, we're building strong relationships within, but we're also reaching out and be in the hands and feet of Jesus. Maybe being that ministering messenger to those that are outside. The third thing he mentions here then are to the marginalized. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them. And those who are ill-treated since you yourselves also are in the body. So, again, contextually... He probably has in mind other believers who, because of the persecution that they're facing, have been thrown into prison. In that day, that culture, uh, they'd faced a lot of persecution. We'll see this in a moment from these even stuff he said back in Hebrews 10. But in their prisons of that day, you know, they didn't get food people from the outside had to bring them food and so you didn't want to forget about them you wanted to still care for them it was an important piece and i think that's probably what he has in mind because you go back to chapter 10 and this is what he said but remember the former days when after being enlightened you endured a great conflict of sufferings partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations and partly be by becoming sharers with those who are so treated for you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accept joyfully the seizure of your property i wonder how that would go well today in america with believers huh? Knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession, right? He's looking ahead to the kingdom that cannot be shaken. But his point is you you had sympathy for the prisoners, for those who were actually thrown into jail. So I think that's a heart of of what he's talking about here. Care for those who are facing persecution. As one who is engaged with with other believers, looking for those that are going through difficult times and coming alongside and caring for them. And dealing with those, those needs and being the hands and feet of Jesus. But I think again a bigger wider look at this is just simply have Jesus heart for those that are the lowliest of society. You look at Jesus and who did he care for? He cared for the the blind, the lame. You know who the blind and the lame were in his society? They were the beggars. They were the ones who were pretty much left to fend for themselves. Jesus always had time. You, you, you think of that story coming out of Jericho. And old Bartimaeus, this blind beggar, is yelling, Son of David, have mercy on me. And everybody's telling him to shut up. And it says that Jesus stopped. And he called him. What do you want me to do for you? Caring for the marginalized. Caring for those that our society says is, is, are, are just not a great value. And I think about in our culture, how do we as Christians treat those that, in our culture, you know, it's it's a server at the restaurant. Have you ever, you know, been in a restaurant recently and you realize that a lot of times with everything that's going on, man, it's it's tough, right? It's frustrating because you go in and they'll so we seat you in 15 minutes and half of the, the booze are open. Have you noticed that? Why is it taking me 15 minutes, right? And in my heart, I want to go, but obviously they're short staff do we care and do we treat them with respect and with love what about that poor customer service agent that's dealing with your problem because there's a bureaucracy of mess and they're just stuck with the ones who are the communicator of the bad news how do we treat them how about how about in our culture because the stranger could actually be translated foreigner how, how do we deal with the with the immigrants whether they're legal or illegal Folks, and this isn't political this isn't about policy that's a whole different discussion it's a whole different thing but the truth is in your life and my life as we come across the stranger the foreigner how do we treat them Do we treat them with respect? Do we treat them with grace? Do we treat them with dignity? Do we treat people with the value that Jesus did? Or God forbid, do we let our politics of this world that is going to be shaking get in the way of how we deal with people? You see, his point is this. Faith Faith in our God, that he will keep his promises, leads us to hope. Hope of that day that we will receive that kingdom, just like Abraham said, whose builder and architect is God. It is permanent, it's, it's eternal in the heavens, and we receive our reward. So faith leads us to hope, hope leads us to love. This is how it doesn't affect us, this is how it affects others through us. First of all, love for one another, community, finding and being the hands and feet of Jesus to one another. Secondly, to the the stranger. Thirdly, then, to the prisoner. The lowest of society. How do we live Jesus? Because we believe that one of these days we're going to stand before him and give an account and there is great reward. And so we focus focused our eyes on Jesus. We're living Jesus and how that plays out in our life is how we love. And not how we love ourselves, but how we love others. Faith leads to hope. Hope leads to love.